For more on the markets, let's wel welcome in David Newhauser, CIO of Livermore Partners. David, happy Friday. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So, David, I know we've chatted before, and I, I'm guessing you're still a long-term bear, but I want you to just hone in on the short term for just a second and talk to me about the rally we're seeing right now, because it does have seasonality. It does have potentially some gridlock in Washington, maybe some less hot inflation on its side. Do you think this rally has some legs, at least as we look into the end of the year? Yeah, that's a, so it's, it's a very good question, and I would think it does. Uh, I think it's really been a, a dollar trade, right? So we've had, we had, you know, peak U.S. dollar here in the past month. We sort of almost had peak pessimism as far as where the Fed was and ultimately where the terminal rate was going to be. And I think just in the past few weeks, especially last week, on an inflation print, we, we saw obviously a turn where, you know, we've seen a, a slowing of uh, core inflation here the other day, and, and therefore it, it really gave uh, a shock, shot to the market in terms of potentially re-rating re and seeing some risk aversion happen. Let's talk about that dollar weakness, because Kevin Hanks just said that it could be the difference between sort of a, a bear market bounce and maybe a, a more tectonic shift or something to that effect. I don't know if you heard what he what he had to say, but how are you looking at that dollar weakness and will it change your market view if we continue to see it weak? Yeah, well, our, our, so our hedge fund is set up where we're heavily invested in different commodities, energy, financials. That's sort of been our theme. So that, you know, it works well with a very weak U.S. dollar. So looking out over the next several years, I'm still very bearish the U.S. dollar. In the short run, of course, uh, the dollar's been extremely strong as it's been a safe haven. So again, risk assets have been off in the past few years because of that, uh, and also because of slowness of growth and, and very sticky high inflation, something that we pressed and foresaw for a number of years now. So, so that's you know, come home to roost, so to speak, and we've seen markets uh, come down 20%. But again, you're always gonna have times in which markets are going to rally and there's going to be levels of optimism. So I think what we're seeing is almost like a, a pendulum type event where, you know, one day you see some uh, really negativity in the market and risk off and people selling and people getting extremely bearish. And then all of a sudden you get a one data point that people really glue themselves to, such as the inflation number the other day. And they think, hey, you know, that terminal rate by the Fed may have shifted some, and thus, you know, it's time to get back into risk assets. And you see movement in the S&P, you see movement in technology. Uh, and of course, that weak dollar is great for Livermore because that means oil assets, gold and the like uh, will rise. Well, on that oil, gold, assets, I know you're a big fan of deep value. So can you be a bit more specific about where you're finding that value right now? Yeah, so we like, you know, Livermore, we, we like the small cap. I mean, uh, we'll still, uh, I'll look at a number of different situations from market caps to 100 million to, you know, 10 billion is, would be the spot. So we can invest in companies, you know, such as uh, Burberry, like we have in the past, or Glencore, even on the commodity side, uh, but also on the, on the lower end. So, you know, we're in heavily invested and, and on the board of a number of companies that we're more uh, proactive in, uh, whether that was predicated by activism or the like. 
And, you know, we think things in, you know, Canada with the mining space and metals and, and uh, energy, uh, you know, is a place to be. So, for example, you know, there's a small company, Calibri Global Energy, which we're big investors in, which is an oil company with assets in Oklahoma. You know, that stock is up like 350 percent this year. And we're the largest shareholder of the company. And things like that are really unique. Uh, it's, again, proactive. And, you know, we think, you know, situations like that are extremely compelling. Uh, on, the, on the gold side, I mean, there's, a, again, a handful of situations that we're investors in already. Things like Amarok Minerals, which is actually uh, an Iceland uh, company and listed in London as well, that create, looks like it has tremendous value. And Louis Bacon is an investor uh, through a joint venture today. And again, Livermore is one of the largest investors in the company, and, and I sit on the board of directors. And then, of course, there's other areas like within energy that we're really, you know, positioned for, uh, you know, companies like Paramount Resources in Canada, which is a big gas producer run by a guy named Jim Riddell, who helps advise our hedge fund at times, too, on the oil and gas sector, um, to uh, other companies like Jade Stone Energy, which is a London-listed Asian uh, production company that generates a lot of free cash flow and has a growth profile to it. So there's, you know, the gamut is is really broad based. And then, of course, you know, looking even today at some of the areas we think there's really good value outside of that. Um, you know, one of the areas I liked has been luxury for a number of years. And I still think those stocks and those companies are going to hold up uh, extremely well. So we don't have investments in those companies today. Uh, but again, those are just other areas, you know, that we see that there's good value. Things like Ferrari, uh, things like Burberry, of course, you know, things like LVMH and others. But those, again, are larger cap and not really where we ha capture our edge on investing for Livermore. So usually those are things that um, we don't focus on for a large percentage of the portfolio. David, when it comes to finding value, Bitcoin's off quite a bit this year. Some may say it's a value right now, trading just above 16,000. Does crypto have a place in your portfolio at all? Yeah, no, crypto has no space in Livermore's portfolio. Our hedge fund, uh, which Oliver could attest to, has been very uh, negative on crypto for, again, the past few years as the markets have been really focused on speculation due to massive fiscal and monetary stimulus and a massive increase in the M2 money supply. And those situations, that type of environment, brought on things like you know crypto and meme trades, things we've discussed in the past where we see this is just such a, a, um, a spotlight on areas that are really, you know, uh, point to areas of the market that are extremely frothy and have massive downside. So, you know, I'm going to reiterate that because what you're seeing now is essentially, you know, be careful what you wish for when you saw the monetary and fiscal stimulus. And this is what ultimately happens. You find things like crypto where there's fraud and, and uh, you know, behaviors that, you know, can see your, your uh, equity investment uh, turn out to be zero. You've seen Bitcoin down, you know, 60, 70 percent uh, this year. So, you know, you're seeing more of this. It, it's having its lame, uh, Lehman moment at this point. Uh, and we're staring clear of it. And, you know, we've made money in the past year 
in a relatively small way in terms of being short some of those equities, things like MicroStrategy, Coinbase, which Livermore held short position on earlier, and we were public on. Since then, we have no positions today. We have a very limited short book today. Um, again, the market's in a, in a, I would say, more of a trading range. And as you described earlier, we're in a point now where, you know, seasonally in, in nature, it looks uh, more bullish. But my viewpoint is still looking out over the next year, there's still a very high probability uh, we enter recession. I'm also a believer that stagflation is more of uh, the outlook for the global economy. And thus, you want to be in hard assets, things that generate real cash flows. And you still, still want to avoid technology and any, any risk aversion in terms of investing in things like crypto. All right. So my speculation at the top of our segment saying I, I assumed you were a longer term bear uh, wasn't so far off. We have to wrap it up. But just in terms of when you look at next year, lower lows. You know, a lot of that will be indicative of what happens with interest rates, the Fed, inflation. And the one thing I look at and the reason why I'm still more bearish is we've had this you know, decade run in terms of technology stocks where they've been growing exponentially forever, including some of the biggest companies in the world, right? Amazon, Meta, uh, and others. And today you're finding out that those companies are no longer in growth mode. They're seeing mass layoffs, you're seeing margin compression, you're seeing increased costs. So they've actually on their, on their heels at this point in time, I think that's gonna be a big headwind to the market. But overall, the market dynamics are set up where we can be in a range for quite some time and the stock market can be dead money. Uh, and at the same time, if things do worsen, if the outlook does dim into 2023, I am afraid we can still not only retest the lows, but, but break to new lows. All right, we have to leave it there. David Newhauser, CIO of Livermore Partners, thanks so much. I can. Honestly, say the grass is greener wherever you are, despite that bearish view. Looks, looks beautiful. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you.